Hey there, welcome to the Working Millennial Women podcast. I'm your host, Nikita. If this is your first time landing on this podcast, thank you for choosing to listen. This is a safe space where working women share some of the struggles of their day-to-day lives, and they share some of their methods for overcoming those struggles. If you're not new to this podcast, welcome back. I know you're probably thinking, Nikita, where the heck have you been? It's been months since you've last posted an episode. Well, I know. I know, my bad. I've been going through so much over these past few months, and now that I'm on the other side of some of the biggest challenges I've ever had in my life, I'd like to tell you about some of them in hopes that you can learn from some of my mistakes. In keeping with the theme of this podcast, I'd like to share some of the struggles that I've been dealing with over the last few months. Today's episode is a little bit different in that there's no guest, it's just me, and I wanna talk to you about the work-life balance. So let's get into it. If you've been a follower of this podcast, you probably know that I'm a practicing surgeon who travels across the country to provide surgical care to patients in small communities. Sometimes the community doesn't have a surgeon, but there are surgical needs in that community, so I come in for a small period of time to take care of those needs to prevent the patients from having to travel to go to distant cities to seek that care. Sometimes that's a community that has maybe one surgeon and the surgeon's been working tirelessly throughout the year. There's only so much that one person can do. So when they take a break, I fill in for the period of time that they're gone. Sometimes it's actually a really big city with large institutions and multiple surgeons, but just based on the volume of patients that are coming into the emergency room, it's very difficult to manage all of those patients with just the people that are there. So I come in as an extra set of hands to help offload some of that work. What I do is called locum tenens. It's actually Latin for to hold the place of or to substitute for. What you probably don't know, though, is that this isn't the traditional way that most surgeons practice medicine. I'm sure you've all watched Grey's Anatomy. You do know about residents and attendings and whatever. I've actually never seen that show, so I'm just going on anecdotal things that I've heard. Most surgeons either practice at a big university and are part of an academic institution, or they're part of a smaller satellite community hospital, or they're in private practice. If they're in the smaller community hospitals or the bigger universities, there's usually kind of advanced practitioners or residents like in that show, Grey's Anatomy. But there's generally a lot of people around to help manage patients in their care. Those are really the acceptable models of practice in surgery. As you may have been able to tell from that show, a lot of patients come to the hospital and they have like the same doctor throughout the whole, I guess, show. And I've seen one episode. And in the one episode that I saw, there was like the patients came in and the neurosurgeon was like, I think it's like the first episode of like the first season. So there was like the one patient who came in and this like neurosurgeon was like sitting at his bedside for the entire time until the patient got better. And there were residents in and out taking call with pagers and whatever. Yeah, that's kind of what surgery is like. I chose to practice surgery a little bit differently, a manner that allows me to be able to connect with my patients in that same way, but on a part-time basis, so only for a few weeks a month. This allows me to both have my clinical practice and to maintain my work-life balance at home. Now, my husband, as you may have heard if you follow this podcast, is also a surgeon. He works at a full-time institution that's more of an academic type of institution. So sometimes it really becomes a challenge for us to find some time to spend together. 
Now, the benefit of doing residency, in addition to the obvious training that you receive and the framework to set you up for your own career, one of the benefits of residency is that you, you encounter different surgeons, male, female, married, single, in every different arena of their life. And you, as a third party, get to witness the way they carry themselves, the way they maintain their work-life balance, the way they have their personal lives kind of intertwine with their professional lives. So you get a, a first-hand look, I guess, into the way a functioning surgeon operates, not just in the operating room, but like in life. Because we all need those people. We need mentors. We need people to be able to say like, man, I really don't ever want to be like that person. So very early on in residency, I knew that I did not want that life where I had to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I just don't know how you can balance your personal life and your professional life when you're at a hospital all the time. Now, obviously, because my husband also does the same thing, we have two people who are doing that. So it obviously would become very difficult for us to be able to both be at at different hospitals for 24 hours a day and still see each other. Like it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. So there has to be some compromise somewhere. In comes the traveling surgeon thing. So I know what you're thinking to yourself. All right. So what's the downside? Like you go to work for a couple weeks a month, you're home for the rest of the month. You're able to like mm-hmm. foster this relationship between you and your husband, take care of your cats and your home and your family and your parents and whatever. And what could possibly be the downside of all of that? Well, thank you for asking. The downside is that in the surgical community, this non-traditional way that I chose to practice surgery is actually really frowned upon. Because we've become a society that's been so convinced that our productivity and our dedication to work 24-7 is the most important thing, this concept of work-life balance is kind of foreign to a lot of doctors. Doctors who are more traditional in their thinking really look down on how I've chosen to utilize my skill and my time. So every time I meet a surgeon at conferences or parties or whatever, every time I encounter a surgeon, who's seeing me for the first time in either a long time or the first time ever. Naturally, we start talking about, you know, what do you do and where do you work and blah, blah, blah. And it inevitably ends up bringing up the fact that I'm a locum tenens surgeon. And then the looks start. And then I get the, why don't you just settle down and work in one place, you know? Okay, now, yeah, sure, I could settle down and work in one place. That is true. But usually the tone makes me feel like they're just judging the hell out of me. Somehow my choices make me a failure in the surgical community because I'm not conforming to the norm that everybody else does. I constantly feel like I need to justify why I chose to practice medicine the way I choose to practice medicine. Of course, because my husband is also a surgeon and he has chosen a different model of practicing surgery, People just usually and generally assume that he works harder than I do. They just think, oh, wow, he works every he goes to work every day. So he must be working harder than she does because she only works a very short period of time in a month. And it's kind of an unfair assessment. And my husband also kind of laughs every time they say it because he knows the truth, which is I work way harder than he does. Yes, I'm a part time surgeon that does this for several weeks of the month. But I also have an entire job that he doesn't have to do. I have the job of taking care of our household, cooking, cleaning, doing all the things around here that make our life enjoyable. 
and he does never have to worry about it. Puts the dishes in the sink, the dishes disappear. Puts the laundry in the laundry basket, laundry disappears. Never has to worry about it. So he knows that there's a second job that I'm doing that he doesn't even want to do, and he's really appreciative that I'm doing it. So he kind of laughs whenever people bring that this idea that he works more or harder than I do. Because it's just not true. When I go to work for that one week a month, it's usually somewhere between five to ten days. During that time, I barely sleep. I get calls in the middle of the night all the time. For the period of time that I'm there, I'm on call 24 hours a day. That means when I go home at the end of the day or go back to my hotel or whatever it is, wherever the hospital is putting me up at that time, I'm not. Off duty, I can't go out with friends. I can't, not that I drink, but I can't. I guess have a beer if I wanted to. You know, there's a lot of things you can't do because you're still on duty. You're just home. I get calls in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 1 a.m., and sometimes it's emergencies where I have to go back to the hospital and take care of the patient. And I don't come back home until 10 a.m., and then I have to, you know, I don't finish. I should say what I'm doing until about 10 a.m. And I still have the rest of my day. I still have to go ahead and round and see all the patients that are already in the hospital and finish all the non-emergent cases that I had from the day before and fit in any patients who come in through the emergency room. So it it can be really exhausting. For example, my last time that I was working, I clocked in for about 120 hours. That's the period of time that I was there. And in that time, every day I only had six hours where I didn't clock in and that that's including sleeping and meals and whatever so certainly you can understand doing that for 24 hours at a time and then taking a break and then going back to work the next day and you have a shorter day and whatever the way my my husband does it it's a little bit easier to tolerate than what I do which is go there for 24 hours and keep doing that every day every day every day for about 10 days straight There's no break in between, so it becomes very tedious, very mentally exhausting, very physically exhausting. But I do it because I really enjoy doing what I do. And sometimes, even though I, you know, I clock in the time and then I look and I'm like, oh man, I didn't realize I was here for this many hours. I don't feel like I've been here for this many hours, but I guess it's whatever. This is the job. This is what you do. Patients will come in, and you can't just be like, well, you know. I've been here for quite some time, so you're just gonna have to wait until tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. You kind of just have to take care of patients when they show up. So with that, I feel like it's a very unfair assessment for people to assume that because I work less less time during the month, that I work less in general because it's actually a really tired. My, you can pack an entire month of work into what I do in ten days. Now inside. And privately, I feel like this trailblazer who's venturing into this new and different way of practicing surgery, and it gives me the best of all the worlds in this new age that we're in. I say trailblazer, but I'm not the first person to have ever done locums. There are so many doctors out there, thousands of doctors who do locum tenens, and it's been going on for a very, very long time before I even came around. So this is not by any means some kind of unique thing that I'm doing, but publicly. I feel like this failed doctor who just can't settle down, and everyone kind of perpetuates that feeling of failure. Now, mind you, this has nothing to do with patient care. Okay, my patients still get the best gold standard of care, and they have pretty good outcomes. At the end of my shift, which is like I said, usually anywhere from five to ten days, I hand their care off to a partner. Who's equally skilled and qualified and an experienced surgeon? 
So my lifestyle has really no effect on my patients or their outcomes. So why can't I live my life the way I choose to? In this day and age, constant distraction, social media kind of making us want way more than we have. What's wrong with me choosing to dedicate some of my time to my marriage, to my family, to my hobbies? What's wrong with that? Why can't I choose to spend my time the way I want to? I think that I've paid my dues during medical school and during residency, where we worked basically two full-time jobs. Our requirement was to work 80 hours a week. Now, the average American works 40 hours a week. That's a nine-to-five job, right? There have been restrictions placed that we can only work about 80 hours a week because before then we were working much more than that. So there has been a restriction and you have to know that a lot of surgeons do complain or old school surgeons complain that the the newer guys don't work enough. I think working two full-time jobs 80 hours a week is kind of a lot. And I don't think that they really understand that people need a mental break. They need a physical break and they need to like be able to enjoy other things besides being in the hospital. Now, of course, these are the same guys that scoff at the idea of mental health. They scoff at the idea of burnout. They don't think that these things exist because, you know, when they were in the hospital, they lived and breathed and slept with all the nurses and did whatever when they were in the hospital. But it just isn't like that anymore. And I don't think how I choose to spend my time should be anybody's business. I think that I should be allowed to determine how I choose to spend my time. And I don't think anyone has the authority or I don't think you should allow anyone to have the authority over you to make you feel bad for doing what you want to do with your life. You've worked hard enough to decide what you want to do with your own time. Now, let's not start on the whole female aspect of this issue. When a female surgeon says that she wants to spend more time at home with her family or with her kids or with whatever, okay, we're treated like we just set women's rights back like 600 years. If our male counterparts decided that they wanted to stay home with their kids or you know, focus a little bit more on their family life, they're revered as pinnacle of fatherhood and the pinnacle of husbands and whatever, you know, like people just think that they are such good guys that they want to stay home with their families and they want to dedicate more time to being a family man. But if a woman says it, it's like, oh, see, that's why women don't belong in medicine. They shouldn't be surgeons. And I don't think that that's fair. I think that everyone has the right to do whatever they choose to with their time and their life. That's what we call freedom of choice. So I guess what I'm trying to say is no one knows the struggles you have at home, at work, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, whatever arena of your life. Nobody knows what you're going through but you. So you're the only one who can take control of your life to fix the things that are wrong in your life or prevent issues from blossoming into something bigger than it needs to be. Because if your marriage falls apart or your kids are neglected or your kids suffer some kind of trauma from being neglected, no one at your work will care. You'll get some sympathy. Someone will say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But in the end, nobody will fix it. They will move on with their lives and you're going to be the one that's stuck with the consequences of your decisions. So you want to stay home and homeschool your kid? If that works for your family, go ahead and do it. Forget what people will think. People will say how they're going to view you. It doesn't matter. It's not their problem. You want to be the best damn housewife you can be while still being a badass surgeon? Go for it, as long as it makes you happy. There's no shame in any of that. We've allowed people for far too long to dictate our happiness, and we should just let that stop. Let it stop today. You do you. You know, when I was interviewing for fellowship, I was asked 
that question that everybody gets asked all the time, what do you do for fun? Well, I would always talk about this podcast because this is what I do for fun. I don't get paid for this and I'm not even sure who is listening to this, but this is my way to connect to people outside of, I guess, social media and to be able to connect to people who in an anonymous way, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I'm sure some people out there are being helped by this podcast. You're in a surgery fellowship interview, you're supposed to say things like, I do research for fun. I read books for fun. It's medical journals, not just books. Like you're not going to pick up a Harry Potter book and, you know, you read surgical journals and you contribute to the, the overall broad academic community. That's what you're supposed to be doing, right? But when I say I do this podcast for fun, some of the looks I got were just, quite frankly, they were priceless, okay? Most of the young females, kind of like around my age, millennial women, they were really interested. And somehow during the course of the interview, we would forget that we were even interviewing for a fellowship. The older surgeons, though, both men and women, kind of looked at me like I just said I was a stripper or something. The confusion mixed with disapproval, that look was completely sickening. They were the physical embodiment of the look of what a waste of time. You should be engaged in research, publishing articles, and contributing to the scientific community. And you spent all this time doing surgery. Why would you be doing anything other than that right now? Well, I mean, these are the same people, like I said, who don't believe that burnout exists. They don't believe that a person should have other interests besides their career. They also don't believe that we should be exploring other things that are not related to our careers. They don't believe in mental health. They think that mental wellness is like a millennial sickness that we just keep whining about over and over and over. Well, listen, I love podcasting. It allows me to connect with other people. It allows me to realize that my struggles are not unique, that I am not alone. Other people out there feel the same way that I do. Other people get overwhelmed too. There's nothing unique about feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated or overworked. But when we live in our small worlds and we start to get embarrassed to express those feelings and those thoughts, that's when it becomes very dangerous. There's nothing wrong with having an escape to cope with your struggles. So take whatever time you need to focus on whatever you need to. Take control of your life. Just take back the wheel. Editing Nikita here. Thank you for listening to my rant. Some of you may have noticed that there was an episode posted just before this one, but it was taken down. Hafiza and I had a riveting conversation about life and the small things that make life worth living. However, because of some glitches in the editing software, the audio was really choppy and pretty much unusable. Even though I tried to revive the original audio from our interview and re-edit it, ultimately I just had to give up. So Hafiza, I'm really sorry. My goal is to honor each guest on the show with a quality product that really represents the time, the effort, and the energy that you put into the interview. Unfortunately, the quality of that product was not good, and I had to pull it from the podcast stream. But don't worry, I'm sure Hafiza will be making a guest appearance on the show sometime in the future. Up until this point, this podcast has mainly focused on modern Muslim issues. 
So issues of young Muslim women and kind of how they deal with everyday life and how they've interjected their faith into their life in order to solve those problems or cope with their problems. And I thank every single guest who has been on the show in an attempt to broaden our listeners, broaden the topics that we talk about and become more inclusive. I've decided that we're going to move on from the modern Muslim edition and we are going to branch into the outstanding women segment of the show. I'd like to thank everyone who participated before, Farah A, Farah B, all of the Farahs, Harissa, Sarah, Hafiza, Yasmin, and Rodena. We're going to move on from the Modern Muslim edition into the Everyday Outstanding Women edition. With our first guest next week, Jody, is going to share with us her inspiring story of going from a pregnant teenager to being a surgeon. I want to thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. Are you enjoying the content? Please help me promote this podcast by rating it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please share it with your friends and family. This podcast can be found anywhere where podcasts are available. Please remember to subscribe or follow the podcast so you can be updated on new episodes. Thank you so much for listening.